0: Amen, guys. You guys uh, go ahead and be seated, if you will. Good morning. It's good to see you. Um, Excited to be here. Always excited to worship and open God's word and to hear what he has to say. And so we're going to do that today. Uh, We're in this series called To Be Continued. Um, And as I've told you, uh, the last couple of weeks, if you can remember way back to Acts chapter 1 we started out with a series called To Be Continued. And the reason for that is we were looking at how the purpose of uh, the church was to continue the works that Jesus had begun. In fact, that's how Luke, who wrote uh, the, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts began this. He said he wrote it to uh, his gospel to record the things that Jesus began to do and teach. But then he writes the book of Acts to write how Jesus continued to do what he began on earth after he ascended. And he continued to do that through the Holy Spirit working in and through and for his people. Now, as we come to the very end of Acts, and we're in Acts chapter 28, you can go ahead and turn there as we kind of set this up. Um, Acts 28, we're going to read 16 through 31 this morning and, and go from there. But as we come to the end of Acts, you're going to see how abruptly this book ends. And, and there's a reason for that. Luke was extremely intentional in his writings. And, and it would not have been accident that he just ends it um, very open-ended. The reason for that and the reason we started with the series called To Be Continued and the reason we're ending with the series called To Be Continued is because it doesn't stop in Acts chapter 28. It is to continue to continue working through us now the church as the holy spirit indwells us empowers us guides us leads us to do the things that jesus began so it continues through us and so this is what we've been looking at if you look um at where we've been it's been incredible going through this book um and seeing all that god did but also being encouraged about what god is going to do um and, and being able to uh, see that. So let's jump into Acts 28, 16 through 31, the last verses here uh, in the book of Acts. Acts 28, verse 16. Picking up where we left off last week, where we saw that Paul finally made it to Rome. And we talked about what an incredible statement that was that Luke made. Uh, when he said, and so we came to Rome. It's such a triumphal statement, a, f- a statement of God's faithfulness to get Paul where Jesus told him he must go in the beginning. And Paul went through all kinds of trials and struggles and shipwrecks, snake bites, all kinds of things to get there. But Jesus got him there faithfully. And so let's pick up in verse 16. It says, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Now remember, Paul is under arrest at this point. Um, he has gone to uh, appeal this to Caesar, uh, mainly to get to Rome, and at this point he's still a prisoner. Most likely he is uh, chained wrist to wrist with a Roman soldier um, all day, every day, um, and he's living in a rented home uh, that, that uh, he's able to continue to share the gospel as we'll see. And so they got there, he was allowed to live by himself, with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, all, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly do not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. We see this pattern with Paul. Every place he went, he would begin with the Jews, with his fellow Israelites, and he would share the gospel with them. Most of the time, um, some would accept, but many would reject, and he would ultimately end up going to the Gentiles. It says, they replied, we've not received any letters from Judea concerning you. And none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear about your, what your views are. For we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. In other words, talking against the followers of Christ. And so he says, They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them. From morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. So here we go. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They, being those who would not believe, disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn. And I would heal them. Verse 28 says, Therefore I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, those who are non-Jews, and they will listen. For two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And so the book of Acts ends. We know that... uh, Pretty certain that Paul was released after a couple of years. Went did more uh, evangelism, spreading the gospel, telling people about Jesus. Was arrested again, came back to Rome, and that's when Nero would have had him martyred um, because of the faith and because of his proclamation of Christ. And so um, we now come to the end of the book of Acts. Um, let's pray and and get into the the Word this morning, Lord. We thank you so much for your truth. Lord, it is because of your grace, what you've done for us, what you do in us and through us, that we're here today. Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you, God, that today, we can come boldly before your throne of grace. Lord, today we can, like Mary, sit at your feet and listen to your words. Lord, I pray, that those words would sink deep into our hearts, that we would not be people who have no ears to hear, that we would not be people who have closed our eyes to your truth, that we'd not be people with calloused hearts. Would you soften our hearts through the working of your Holy Spirit so that, Father, we can receive in good soil the seed of your word and that it can produce in us a harvest, produce fruit, in our lives, 30, 60, 100 times more than what's even sown. we love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Today I want to talk to you and tell you um, what I believe we see in Scripture about how to live a successful life.. Um, And I think this is really, really important because if we don't understand this, it gets us really sidetracked in life, um, can cause us to uh, go off, uh, really miss our purpose, miss the potential that God has for us, miss the calling that God has put on our lives. And it's interesting because many times when I sit down with people, I'll ask them, how would you define success? And it's kind of like I remember when I first got into construction coming out of college, I was this young guy, um, didn't know really anything about construction. Um, I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of men who've been doing this for you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And my boss at that time looks at me and he's getting on them a little bit about follow through. So one, he's kinda you know getting on their rear ends about not doing some things. And then he looks at me, the young guy, the greenhorn, that doesn't know anything and he goes, Brandon, how would you define follow-through? I'm like, why are you putting me on the spot, right? And I mean, I literally could not get anything to come out of my mouth because I'm like, these people are going to kill me right now, right? I mean, he's wanting me to tell these men who know way more than me what follow-through is. So I stammered through some definition. And what I find, y'all, is when I sit down with most people and I ask them, how would you define success? Most people don't have an answer, especially Christians. Especially Christians. And here's why I think Christians don't have an answer, is because we are smart enough to know that our definition of success should not be the world's definition. But we don't really know what a good definition is, right? And so we kind of get the deer in the headlights look. And this is something I wrestled with for years and years, and I believe that the Lord has really shown me this and it has helped me tremendously to begin to understand what success is. I would start this way. When you get to the end of Paul's life and we looked a little bit at his last letter that he wrote to um, 2 to Timothy, that was only one Timothy, but to Timothy in 2 Timothy. And you, we looked at that letter last week in this, this final letter. Let me ask you this. When you think about the apostle Paul who wrote so many books of the New Testament, led so many people to Christ and all this other stuff, would you say his life was a success? Did he end successfully? And we would say, yes. But even here, as we look at this, Paul is currently chained to a Roman soldier. He is confined in a home. He gets released, but then he comes back only to be martyred to be killed for the faith. And we could look at that and go, well, that's not success. That's that's a tragedy, right? That's something bad. But I guarantee you, Paul saw his life as successful. He said at the end of his life, I have run the race. I have fought the good fight of faith. I've completed the task that was given to me. He saw his life as a success. But many people would look at his life and go, well, I mean, what a tragedy. He died before his time or he died young or whatever it might be. He was confined to a home. He couldn't do this. He couldn't do that. And yet Paul wrote um, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon while he was in prison. And go back and read those books that he wrote, those prison epistles. It does not sound like Paul was in the house pouting. In fact, in Philippians, he tells us, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice, right? Right? He is rejoicing. He's still finding purpose. He's still doing what he was called to do. Whether it was confined, he even says in Philippians, he's like, I may be, this is paraphrased, he says, I may be chained, but the gospel isn't. He says, because of these chains, the entire palace guard, listen, how would you like to be strapped, how would you like to be an unbeliever and be strapped to Paul for four or five hours a day? <laughs> right? You think they heard the gospel? And some of them, I'm sure, probably came to faith. Some of them probably went back and go, how do we shut this guy up, right? But constantly, constantly, constantly preaching the gospel, and the world may look at Paul and go, what a tragedy, I mean, he was hated by so many people, he wasn't loved by a lot of people. You know, What a tragedy, but I look at it and I go, what a success. What a success. See, the problem for us is we typically don't have any other definition of success other than the definition the world has given us. That's our big issue. The only definition of success we really know is the definition that the world has given us. But here's some of the problems with that definition. Um, One is that success according to the world is really, really shallow. It's really, really shallow. If you even go look up the word, it's one of the definitions is attainment of fame and wealth and social status. Who does that point to? Me. How shallow is that? How, listen, we can look at these people with all this money and all this fame, but really and truthfully, how small is that, right? Can you see how small that really is? Like who does it really affect? Who does it really impact? Who does it really change? Not many people. It's really shallow, it's really small. It's a small vision for your life to accumulate everything. It's like in a silo. I've got all this stuff I've built my life on, but it's not changing anything. Success in the world is also based on your ability to produce. It's all about you. It's all about what you can do. It's on your shoulders. It all rides on you, your ability, how good you are. The problem with this, guys, and listen to me, we bring this same mindset to the gospel. We bring this same mindset into our faith. And so what we do is we forget that we came to Christ by faith and we quickly begin to bring this mindset of my ability to produce into the gospel. And it's why so many people start out so in love with Jesus, so on fire for Christ when they get saved and then four, six months later, it's just become a burden. Because we forgot, man, we are saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by our flesh, not by what we can produce. We are saved by grace, God's ability doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And we forget that. And so grace no longer is amazing because it's something I have to produce myself. Because our understanding of success in the world is what I can produce. And then my understanding of success with God becomes what I can produce. Then here's the other issue, guys. Tell me if this is not true. Success in the world is a moving target. What's successful today won't be success tomorrow. It's a moving target. It's all over the place. And even if you begin to aim at something, once you attain it, it's not enough. I remember when we started the church and I've shared this with you before, but this was an issue for me. I remember thinking if we could ever get to 100 people, man, all those people that said we shouldn't have done this, boy, we could look at that and go, look at, look at what God did. And then, then we got to 100. And then I was like, man, if we could get to 250, whoo, then we'd really be a success. And we got to 250. And then I said, you know what? If we could get to 500, I mean, we're getting up there in the top percentages of churches. We'd really be a success. And we got to 500. Man, if we got to 1,000, wouldn't that be incredible? And then we got to 1,000. 15, whoa, whoa, whoa. But it keeps moving. We even set a vision originally. We were gonna... Reach 2,000 people by the year 2020. We'll reach 2,000 people by like the year 2014. Like, all right, what do we do now? Right? Okay, let's reach 20,000. I mean, you just have to keep moving the target, right? And so it's a moving target. It's always moving. It's all, all over the place. And it depends on your ability. I remember when we were... Um, at the Blue Building, we finally reached 100 people. there was like 140 or 50 people showed up one Sunday. I'm like, "What in the world happened?" We went from 80 to like 140. The next Sunday we had 45. I'm not kidding you. I was like, "I don't know what I did." <laughs> but none of them came back. And do you see how life is? It's like, "Woohoo, woo," right? And so we got to have a better definition of success. That does not sound like contentment in Christ to me. The other thing about this is success according to the world is so uncertain. You can build and build and build only to have it taken away in a moment. It's so uncertain. Build and build and build and then it gets knocked down. Everything you've propped yourself up on, it begins to fall. And here's the real tragedy in all of it. Ultimately, pursuing the world's definition of success robs us of our God-given purpose and potential. It robs us of our God-given purpose and potential. For us, success many times is the removal of anything uncomfortable. That's why we want more money, right? I wanna be more comfortable. I want to be more secure. So that's why we strive for so many things so often. Our idea of success is the removal of anything uncomfortable. But here's the problem, guys we will never fulfill our God given purpose without being uncomfortable at times. Like we were not recreated in Christ to be comfortable, we were recreated in Christ for his kingdom. That's why we were recreated for relationship with Christ and then telling everybody else about how amazing this relationship is, about being a part of establishing God's rule and reign on earth, this amazing king of kings who's come to rule and reign in our hearts. And so think about this. What if in your life, what if in your life you strove You strained, you worked really hard only to get to the end and realize what you strove for, what you strained for, what you ran so hard after wasn't the goal in the first place. What a tragedy, right? What a tragedy. So I had an opportunity this week to go on a fishing trip. Um, Unlike any other fishing trip I've ever been on, went to Costa Rica, right? Got invited to go. Um, You ever heard that saying, it's better than to have a friend with a boat than to own a boat? It's better to have a friend that has a boat and a condo in Costa Rica, I'm gonna tell you. Um, And so we get down there and, and it's an incredible trip. And I mean, just things that blew my mind, right? Um, just seeing in, in so many different ways. Uh, but we're coming back last night. I actually got home about one o'clock this morning, um, right? So um, we're coming home last night. We get to the Atlanta airport. Um, Joey actually went on the same trip. And so we, he goes, um, had some pass to get in quicker. So I go through and I'm with the normal people. And... Um, <laughs> I go through customs and I'm kind of walking along by myself. And thankfully, there was only one other couple that was with me. And so I'm walking along texting. I think I was texting one of my sons. And I'm texting and pulling my bag like this behind me, you know. And I see the little moving sidewalk. I don't know if that's what you call them or not. The conveyor belt, right? That shoots people off the other end. And so I see it coming. So I'm just walking along texting. Well, I step on it and it doesn't feel right. And then I realize I'm on the one going that way. And so here's what I did. I played this thing off, man. You know what I did? I just kept walking. (laughs) Never looked up from my phone. Never looked up from my phone. I just kept texting. And look, y'all, this is what's so funny. This family is beside me. And I'm like, I can feel the sweat starting to break out on my head, you know? I'm like, oh my gosh, I am an idiot. <laughs> but I'm still texting. And then finally, the lady walking next to me, she can't take it anymore. She just starts laughing. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know. And I still didn't look up. I'm just like. <laughs> but you know what? It was hard, like, going that way. I mean, I'm going twice as fast as they <laughs> I'm such an idiot, <laughs> Joey. I, I got back with him, and and, and actually, I started texting uh, the guy we were with, and Joey. I'm like, hey, 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 you know, I'm, I'm I'm going the wrong way on this thing, and Joey's like, man, I leave you for 45 minutes, and you almost kill yourself. And so, um, anyway, I but but I was thinking about that, and I'm like, you know, what if, what if that's our life, right? That we're We're working so hard and going this opposite direction of where God really wants us to go, defining success completely backwards. What if we did that for 70, 80 years? We finally get to the end of that thing and all of a sudden it's like, I'm in the wrong place. I I ran after the wrong thing, right? You know, me on that moving sidewalk thing, that's funny, but 70 or 80 years wasted. Not so funny, right? And so I really want us to understand a different definition of success. How do we avoid running a race? that doesn't matter. How do we avoid stacking up trophies and things that won't last? The first thing I want you to hear today is this and, and how we rectify this. We have to see our understanding of success is shallow, Because our understanding of the gospel is superficial, okay? This is where this begins. Our understanding of success is shallow because our understanding of the gospel is superficial. It it doesn't go past me so many times. This American gospel fits nicely with the American dream because most of what we understand of the gospel, it still focuses the spotlight on me. It's still to meet my needs, And that's such a very small understanding of the gospel. I believe we got here um, through mostly good intentions. I believe it was mostly good intentions where people trying to lead other people to Christ would say, you know, he died for you. And that is so true, right? We don't want to get away from that, that personal love that God has for us. We don't want to get away from that. And we would say like, he is here to meet your needs. And, and we're telling them these things so they can get this better understanding of the love of God for them but then many times, that's where it stops. And so we get to this place where we come out of, and, and even coming into salvation, thinking that this is about me. But listen, what is kind of um, the scripture that people would often say the entire Bible centers around? The most common scripture in all of God's word. John three sixteen. I always get nervous when I do this because there was one day at the high school when I said, you know, John 3, and I forgot it. The next week, a guy brought me one of those little rubber bracelets with John three sixteen on it. But it's, you know, for God so loved the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the first part. I don't wanna go political, but y'all know the thing, right? Um, so anyway, uh, John 3, 16, but it says for God so loved, what the world. In other words, that, that word for world, it's, it's cosmos. It it can mean universe. It can mean the earth as in the physical earth. It can mean the people who inhabit the earth. And so here's the thing we've got to understand that God's love. Yes. is for us, but it's not just for us. It is for the world. The Bible even tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, it tells us that what Jesus was doing was reconciling the world back to himself, back to the Father. And so it's this huge picture of the gospel. just like fame and wealth and all of that. And um, this social status is a really tall, but, but like shallow understanding of our purpose, so, so is a gospel that only focuses on me. It's shallow, it's superficial, so success for me still remains. My needs being met, my comfort being fulfilled. It never moves beyond me. When the reality is God's heart is the world. God so loved the world. I want you to understand this. The gospel doesn't come with a global option. The gospel comes with a global mandate. Okay, listen. The gospel does not come with a global option. The gospel comes with a global mandate. Mandate. See, when we come to God's word, I want you to understand this. We don't read God's word like we order a pizza with options, right? Yeah, give me some mushrooms, some onions, some pepperoni. Yeah, a little bit of sausage, bacon. Yeah, whatever meat you got, just throw it on there, but leave off most of those veggies, right? It's my kind of pizza. But when we come to the Bible, when we come to Christ, when we come to the gospel, It's not like ordering a pizza where there's options. No, this is the final authority in our life. And when we read this, we have to understand that the fact is that the gospel does not come with a global option. The gospel comes with a global mandate. I was reminded this week of how big this mandate is and how amazing. And when you think about Ephesians 3 that Paul would have wrote, change of this Roman soldier, and you think about that and you look at it and you realize that the church is to be um, this display of God's manifold wisdom, not only to the earth, to the world, but to those in the heavenly realms. It is absolutely mind blowing. And, and I went and then we got down there and I got to know people like Albert, who was the captain, and Gato, who was the uh, first mate, and Carlos, who was the second mate, and some other people that we met. And I'm like, do these people know Christ, right? And I'm seeing this, 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 like, this longing and feeling, this sense of just really wanting to be able to say, like, look, this is the truth. This is who Jesus, this is what you're really longing for. But it reminded me this week of how big God's purpose is and how small the world's definition of success really is. When we see this global, huge, magnificent purpose of God, you see how shallow worldly success really is. See so how would we define success then for us? I'm gonna put it as succinctly as I know how. Success equals obedience. Success equals obedience. And obedience equals faithfully following Jesus. See, I want you to hear this because I don't want you to get this confused. Um, Jesus is someone to know, not something to do, okay? First and foremost, Jesus is someone to know, not something to do. And so we have to understand that, that our doing comes from our knowing and our obedience is in cleaving to Christ. It is to hold, to abide in Jesus and the promise of a sovereign God is that he will produce the fruit in our lives. But we have to walk out that faithful, following relationship with God. I won't say we have to, we get to walk in this relationship. But ultimately, success equals obedience. And see, this is the power of understanding that we serve a sovereign God, an all-powerful God. This is the power of understanding this. Because when I understand that God is sovereign, when He is all-powerful and He can do all things, then I realize, unlike worldly success, that it is not upon my ability to accomplish what God desires to accomplish. It is only about me being faithful and following Christ and listening to Him and doing what He asked me to do. And then I trust God will do the rest. If I listen to God, listen to me, y'all, this is the thing. If I listen to God through his word, through the Spirit's leading, whatever that is, if I listen to God and I do what he says, I can know that when I get to the end of my life, it was successful, period. I wanna read something to you and hopefully this will help you get a better understanding of what I'm talking about that success is not defined by what we produce right success is defined by did I listen to God and do what he says to listen to God I better have my ear to his mouth if I want to know the heart of God I better have my head to his chest I better cleave I better hold on But I want you to listen to this. In Hebrews chapter 11, this is the hall of faith. And many times we focus on the first part of this. We miss this last part. But I want you to see this because this is absolutely incredible to me Um, when this was pointed out to me. In verse 32, the author of Hebrews, uh, going through and talking about all these incredible people, men and women, who God used because of their faith. He says this in verse 32, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, listen, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. That sounds awesome, right? Like through faith, woo! But then listen to this, there's a transition. Listen to this. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheep's, and goat skins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They, these were all commended for their faith. Is that not incredible? Is that not an incredible uh, contrast? Some conquered armies. Some lived and ruled in, over kingdoms. Some shut the mouths of lions. Others were tortured, jeered, flogged, sawn in two. And yet all of these were commended. But if we looked at it through a worldly lens, we would look at it and we would not think that that last half was very successful. In fact, we would probably say like, that sucks, right? Yet all were commended for their faith, Your success is not based on what you produce. It's based on did I live obedient to Christ? It's based on did I faithfully walk with him? And here's the thing, you need to hear this, you need to hear this. Well, what happens if I'm not obedient? You know what you do? You repent. You get corrected without condemnation and you come back in line with God's will and his intent for your life and you keep walking. Here's a great truth about this, guys. Understanding success as obedience gives us freedom to step in faith. Doesn't make us lazy, doesn't make us not care. It gives us the freedom to step in faith Because if I'm not afraid to try and fail, I will try greater things. I'll step in faith in greater ways as God leads me. And I can do this because I know my value and worth is not tied up in the outcome. I'm just being obedient. My value and worth is tied up in Christ. And so here's my encouragement for you. One, don't live for what won't last. You hear people say, "Well, so I'm just gonna live it up now and I'm gonna get the most out of it I can. Well, guess what? That's stupid. Because you know what that is? That is a vapor. This summer, when it's about 100 in Hades, go sit outside and watch how fast the dew evaporates off the grass because that's what the Bible says our life is. And if you compare our life 70, 80 years to eternity, it is nothing. Don't waste your life on what won't last. Number two, don't waste your life on what won't matter. Number three, don't waste your life on what won't satisfy. Instead, live for the one that gives eternal purpose and satisfaction. Live for the one that gives eternal lasting purpose that matters and satisfies i'm gonna finish up with this when uh my son was finishing or about halfway through one of his college classes he was taking trig and he had a test that came up and on this trig test which I'm not good at trig, certainly not good at calculus and stuff like that. I'm not good at math period, but those are really bad. And so I couldn't help him, and and he was stressing over this test. And this test, they had to memorize 32 formulas. You know, these things are like this long. He had to memorize like 32 formulas to be able to take this test. No formula sheet, nothing. And he was stressing about it, and you can kind of tell, and Susan told me one morning he had left to go to work, And she said, he was really stressed out over this test. And so I called him and I said, hey, I want you to understand something. This test, it ain't that big a deal. I said, somebody told me this one time and I'm gonna pass it on to you. Don't worry about things and waste your life worrying about things that won't matter in 30 days. And I said, look, Whatever happens on this test, we're going to adjust. And in 30 days, we'll be moving on. And I said, no, understand this. Memorize the flipping formulas, right? And take the test. And do your best. And that's all anybody will ever ask you, can ask of you. You know, he ended up going through, I think he made like a 50, I don't know, it wasn't good. But he ended up with an 87 or something in the class, so hey. But even if not, man, like worrying about things that don't matter in 30 days, 60 days. But here's the challenge for me to you today. Don't spend your life on things that won't matter in 30 years, on things that won't matter in 60 years, on things that won't matter in 100 years. God has a greater plan, a greater purpose, a global purpose. Tomorrow night at six o'clock, there is a meeting about global missions, that is one opportunity for you to engage. You may be like, oh, I ain't no missionary. No, but we are all called to participate in some way. Remember, it is a global mandate, not a global option. I would encourage you, tomorrow night, six o'clock, if it's something you've wondered about, why are missions important? If it's something you've kind of heard about and are interested in, if it's something that has been your passion for years, It's where you need to be tomorrow night. Go back there, and get more details from the next steps table, but listen, tomorrow night at six o'clock is an opportunity. Don't waste your life on things that won't last, won't matter, and can't satisfy. God has a greater purpose, a better definition of success, a freeing definition of success. Don't let this world rob you of what God desires to do in you and for you and through you. I wanna pray for us. Let's spend some time in prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you, God, for the power of your word and the power of who you are. We worship you, Jesus, today. Thank you, God, that you have won the victory just as we sang. You've won the victory. You've given us victory. God, that we today are able to live in the freedom of knowing that the victory is sure. God, today I thank you that our value and worth is not tied up in what we produce, but God, our value and worth is secured in Christ so that now, Lord, success is just faithfully following, being a faithful servant. God, that we would stand before you and hear well done, good and faithful servant." We thank you for grace, your ability in us. Lord, I pray each one of us would put our ear to your mouth, would open our eyes to see where you're leading. God, that our hearts would continually be shaped and softened and changed by your word and by your spirit. Pray each person in here would grab hold of your global purpose. And God, that we would take that, and run with it following you lord where you lead we love you jesus and we praise your name today thank you for each person here your call on their life would you awaken them to this greater purpose god, we would we wouldn't live for a shallow superficial reason but god we would see the glorious nature of what you've called us to from statesboro and beyond, just like you called the early church from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Lord, would you do the same through us? We worship you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, guys, hope you have a great week. Um, I hope we'll live our lives for something that truly matters. God bless you.